My name is Dean Proctor, and welcome to today's episode of the What Is This? podcast. In late 2019, I came into possession of several thousand 45 RPM records from the 1950s to 1980s. In excitedly pulling them from the boxes to examine them, and having been a music fan for my whole life, many of these artists and their records were familiar to me. At other times, though, I found myself, after putting one on a record player, asking, what is this? This podcast, focusing on rare records and odd audio from my own collection, complete with their pops, crackles, and Q-burn intact, is an attempt to answer that question. What is this? In any manufacturing industry, there are always those who will try to carve out their market niche by offering products that, well, might best be described as an off-brand or a knockoff of a successful product that's already on the market. For every name-brand clothing line, there's always that discount line made with cheaper materials and selling at a lower price that looks just enough like the original to encourage the consumer to buy it instead of the original product. And the music industry is no different. Within my record collection are records of songs that I'm familiar with, but done by artists I've never heard of. Artists like Leroy Jones and Jack White and Fred York and Sammy Fox and Marty Wood and many more. And each one begging the question as the needle is dropped on them, what is this? This is episode 12 of the What Is This podcast, and today we're looking at one specific record label called Hit Records, located in Nashville in the 1960s, and their unapologetic business model was simply to cheaply and quickly produce knockoff versions of top-selling songs and then rush them to market in an attempt to ride the coattails of the real versions of the songs while they were still on the charts. Here's an example of what I mean. Johnny Cash would be riding high on the charts with, for example, this Columbia release. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, down, down. And then Bill Beasley and Alan Bubas of Hit Records would record and release this. Love is a burning flame. Or if country music wasn't your thing, maybe you liked that new song by The Crystals. Well then how about this one by The Dacrons? When you die, 
what hit records did over and over again. And their business model went something like this. Number one, determine what song is selling lots of copies and getting lots of airplay. Number two, book some studio time and some instrumentalists and provide a singer appropriate for the song in question. Number three, record that song, often on the first take, but never spending more than 30 or 40 minutes per song. Number four, attach a different contrived artist or group name to that record so that it would appear that the label had an enormous stable of artists. Number five, place the finished product on record racks located in convenience stores across the United States. Number six, Sell each 45 RPM single, often with two different artists, one on each side, for just 39 cents per record, which was about half the price of the hit recordings that they were copying. And finally, number seven, as new songs climbed the charts, just take advantage of that endless stream of material and start this process all over again. One part of the story of hit records that's really important to highlight is the musicianship itself. The fact is, that label utilized some of the top-rate instrumentalists in Nashville at the time. Some recordings included names like Boots Randolph and Floyd Kramer and others, so those backing tracks were always of very high quality. When it came to the singers, Hit Records kept a pool of vocalists that they would call upon depending on what type of song was being recorded. For instance, we just heard Hit Records' version of Then He Kissed Me. The label says the singers are the Dacrons, but in reality the lead vocalist was a talented young woman named Alpha Zoe. She started singing for hit records when she was just 15 years old, and her voice can be heard on records with artist names like Clara Wilson or Sylvia Richards and Mary Mary. When the Angels had this hit record on the charts... Hit Records called on Alpha Zoe once again to sing it, and the record came out under the name Dot Hester. There was at least one other female vocalist who recorded a lot of material for this label, too. Her real name is Connie Landers, but the records that feature her voice came out under contrived names like Betty Ware, Katie Richards, Connie D, Joanne Kay, Janice Parks, and Connie and the Cones. The male vocalists used by hit records are much harder to determine, though. For example, the Trade Winds are among the groups that released this Pete Seeger song. If I had a hammer, well, I'd hammer in the morning. I'd hammer in the evening all over this land. Well, the release by Hit Records came out under the name of Ricky Dickens. Oh, 
I listed a number of other ones earlier in this podcast, too. And from that list, we know that Leroy Jones was the made-up name that soul singer Herbert Hunter used when he sang for the label. But as for the rest, names like Harvey Frolic and Sylvester McCord and so many others, well, they were rumored to be anyone from a very young Jimmy Buffett to Ray Stevens to Bobby Russell and apparently even Sam Moore from Sam and Dave fame all were willing to pick up a few bucks by turning up and singing someone else's songs. Wasn't just singles artists, though. When one of Phil Spector's other girl groups, The Ronettes, had a hit song, a contrived group of singers called The Georgettes, also known as The Avons, also known as Jenny and the Jewels, also known as The Bells, released their version. Well, I couldn't put my hands on the Ronettes version of the song. It's fair to say that even Andy Kim offered a better cover than Hit Records did. records of Nashville had other groups in their stable too. When Chuck Berry sang this, Hit Records stable of musicians called the Music City Five quickly did this. When Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys released this lush, harmonic work of art, Records responded in kind with a record by what was likely the same group of musicians that were the Music City Five, as well as sometimes being called the Tides, but this time they were rebranded the Jalopy Five, 
And they put out something that sounds less like the Beach Boys than it does a church choir. So that's how it worked for hit records. Determine what song is selling lots of copies and getting lots of airplay, book some studio time, some instrumentalists, and a singer appropriate for the song, record a quick version of the song with as little fanfare as possible, attach a made-up artist name to the record, get that finished product into convenience stores and put it side-by-side on the racks with the original recordings, sell yours for just 39 cents per record, half the price of the hit recordings they were copying, and then, as the shampoo bottle says, lather, rinse, and repeat. The Hit Records catalog lists 355 singles released, often with two artists per single, and many of those records are very collectible. Some of the performers on these recordings, names like I already mentioned, Alpha Zoe, Connie Landers, and Herbert Hunter, have developed their own fan base, and they went on to bigger and more mainstream things. Bobby Russell, for example, was a songwriter and a musician with hit records. He played anonymously on many, many of their recordings, but he had hit songs of his own in the early 1970s, including the one that he wrote for his then-wife, Vicki Lawrence, called The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. So there they are, that nondescript black label with its silver writing, the familiar song titles, and the unfamiliar artists, all part of the charm and the uniqueness that hit records brought to the music business. And if you ever come across any of these 45s, hopefully now you have the answer to the most automatic question. What is this? What Is This is a podcast focusing on rare records and odd audio from my own collection of 45 RPM records. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with your own social media circles and encouraging others to subscribe. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, or any episode for that matter, email me at deanproctor at gmail.com. That's Dean with an E. And until next time, thanks for listening.